and welcome to Uplifting Impact. Today, I am joined by an amazing woman. Her name is Paula Phillips, and her mission is to actively build a society in which all of us are seen, heard, and cared for. She started her career in ministry, and then she shifted her focus to the nonprofit sector through her service as an AmeriCorps member. She first came to Milwaukee, our hometown, to serve as an AmeriCorps volunteer with Public Allies, and then she continued to build her career in the nonprofit sector at City Year Milwaukee. Right now, she is at the YWCA, but before she went to the YWCA, she actually worked to empower women and promote diverse leadership at the Medical College of Wisconsin. In all of these different roles, she's had organizational change roles, she's had uh, business development and management roles, government relations, board development, staff development, office management, volunteer, I mean, you name it, and Paula has had some kind of interaction with it. But perhaps one of my favorite things, um, and it's hard to say that because there's so many things that I really appreciate about Epala, but one of my favorite things is that she also is one of our school board members. And so she has taken in so many different spaces and different sectors, uh, her passion for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Welcome, Paula. Happy to be here, Deanna. It is always so, so great to see you. And I I guess I want to just jump right in with that last point from your bio, which is, wow, you have been in all of these different spaces. So at this point, business sector, philanthropy, government, you know, academia, community organizations. And in each one of those, you've had a role to play and really a very strong voice around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I'm curious, since you've been in all these different spaces, what are some of the trends that you are seeing across them? Well, trends that make me really hopeful is that people have been really interested in how are we not just thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but also thinking about who is included when we talk about that within our leadership spaces, what different sectors are doing around creating committees or community groups so that people that we would normally consider at grassroots levels or entry-level positions can have voices when they talk about the leadership uh, within a company or within a school, a school community and within nonprofits. So that's something that gets me really hopeful is, you know, people are really considering who is able to speak to diversity, equity, inclusion, and consider that their own voice and their own story is part of what we're working toward. You know, I really appreciate that too, because I think one of the things that we try to encourage people to do is we try and encourage them to step out of this like hierarchy system where they think that based on the degree that you have or the pedigree that you have, like that's what gives you the ability to have a conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion, or that's what gives you the ability to take action but that's not it at all, right? It, it doesn't, it's it's nice to be able to go out and get some additional learning and do all of those things. Those are very, that's very important. But all of us have something to say. All of us have an experience and all of us have identities. And so really when we think about who can lead in the space, everybody should be able to lead in the space and everybody should. So I think that that's a, it's a beautiful point. Any other trends you're seeing, Paula? I'm also seeing that leaders understand how this affects the bottom line. There's been enough data out there in terms of research outcomes, uh, outcomes for students within corporations, how diversity, equity, inclusion, people know that that's a truth. That's not something that people are debating anymore. And now people are urgently activating 
all different ways of thinking about this. So how are we thinking about this from recruitment? How are we thinking about this in management levels? Uh, we've seen here within our own community of Milwaukee, you know, what does it mean to be a region of choice? And, you know, that gets me really excited that we're moving past sort of that idea. Is this something that's important? But how are we actually building this in? And now moving more towards sort of that squishy stuff that we talk about in terms of culture and what it looks like to create a culture where everyone can thrive in our organizations. You know, so there is some momentum, right? I, I feel it too. And it is incredibly exhilarating. It's so exciting to see the tide shifting. Like in, I feel like in real time, almost, mm-hmm. what do you think needs to happen again, kind of thinking about it from all the different, you know, sectors that you represent, what do you think needs to happen in order to keep that energy up and to keep that momentum building? Yeah, Deanna, there are so many things. And I think a lot of things get rooted in how are we listening to one another and how are we actually utilizing the information that we do have, tracking that implementation and then reporting back. I've seen that within the school district that I'm a part of. I've seen that in higher education, academia, in corporations that people get really excited they're getting ready to implement something and then they feel like they never hear back. And when you think about that from, you know, people that are getting involved for the first time, it feels like their efforts grow stale when it comes for busy leaders that, you know, there are so many things for leaders that they have to be responsible for mm-hmm. making sure that this is something that is a part of their regular reporting structures and how they report back to whatever group that they represent. You know, it's easy for something to move away, especially in a time like we are in today where there are so many crises that we're dealing with. So I think that is something that can easily stifle momentum is people not actually understanding how things have gotten implemented, you know, how we're considering making things better and improving on those things. And, you know, particularly when we think about sectors, really being able to look outside of one sector too, Mm. to understand that, there are things that are happening, whether it's public, private, nonprofit, that might actually be able to be applied to engineering or medicine or K through 12 schooling. So there's a lot there. And, you know, I think a lot of leaders need to consider how, how that communication can, is consistent and how are they really making sure that there are ambassadors of the work outside of leadership so people understand that it is a collaborative effort. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things I haven't been thinking about as much lately, but I'm trying to bring it back into my own discourse is even thinking about how we celebrate. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, that so often in so many other different spaces, when we're trying to continue to create momentum, part of it is celebrating where we've come from, right. And, and what we've done to grow. And so, yeah, you know, as we're thinking about kind of how do we keep the momentum going? I think part of it is just that recognition of look at where we started, look at where we were, look at, look at how much we've accomplished, look at how um, invested people are in, in these conversations. I just had a conversation with a a leading L and D person, and they were talking about how, you know, valuable it is to see people still engaging and not just still engaging, but voluntarily engaging in this content because they can see the applicability to their daily, their daily lives. And there's, there's something to be celebrated in that. That's right, Deanna. And I would also add, as a woman of color, it's been so exciting to see how many white allies and people that have not just become interested, but 
are actually taking time to continue to grow in this space and understand that, you know, while they might not have the same lived experience as people of color, that their experience is important because we all are in this together. So I think that's something that is a trend that isn't going away, that all of us are very interested in how we make these workplaces better. Yeah. You know, that we're bound together, right? That there, there are these things that are part of our common experiences that we may not even have had any knowledge of before, but now that we do, it makes our, our bond even stronger. There is some real power in that, I think, pulling us together. Okay. So right now, uh, one of the things that you're doing, so at the, at the YWCA is creating opportunities to really think about, you know, what, this looks like and, and how people can engage in further understanding and further development. Can you tell me a little bit more about the way that you think that your programming is being put together and how you think about your programming? Yes. So we have anything from a 24 hour course called owning racism to two hour segments or 90 minutes where we try to bring people together to really think about things like intersectionality, microaggressions, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what we really try to do in all of our experiences is to help people consider, you know, how did my idea around diversity, equity, inclusion get formed? As early on as childhood, as late as your current employer, you know, what does this look like to you and why? And, you know, how does your own identity and your own lived experience help form that? And What's really interesting is, you know, thinking about that and really creating what we like to call those brave spaces where people can be vulnerable. So considering, you know, do we have time for people to quietly reflect, have listening pairs, smaller group discussion, because not everybody wants to talk in front of 20 people. And now because of our virtual environment, we might have a hundred people in a session, Mm -hmm. but really having people consider, you know, where, where did I first learn about these concepts and, you know, no place where you are is bad because you're here because you want to consistently learn and really helping people understand that, that there's no shame in learning about oneself and then further on about diversity, equity, inclusion within our leadership programs. So one of the things you just said was, you know, creating brave spaces. And that's a conversation that comes up quite a bit, because like you said, so much of this is requiring people to be vulnerable and to get up, you know, in, in a certain place and say like, this is how I feel. And this is, these are my experiences. So what is it that you think creates like those brave spaces and gives people the courage that they need in order to enter them? Are there some characteristics that our listeners might want to be trying to foster in their own kind of environments? Definitely. I think something that we really try to do is create um, working definitions of what we're trying to talk about and then give examples of how that's looked like within systems. So, for example, within talking about something like as big as racism, you know, our working definition is talking about, you know, how does prejudice, privilege and power all work together to create a system of racism and then Mm -hmm. talk, you know, how, how do people feel about that definition? Well, you know, what, what does that bring out for you? And, and then talk about what different things have looked like within the United States in terms of uh, policies, practices with it throughout history. So that we're not just giving a definition, but then also talking about what it's looked like historically in terms of policies and practices. Um, I think being able to talk about something within a system framework and then provide historical context really helps people understand that 
we aren't really trying to talk about a specific person. We're not trying to talk about specific company or experience, but we're talking about a larger cultural phenomenon that we're trying to examine that all of it's affected us in some way. And the same thing can, we can talk about sexism and, you know, something that I've really appreciated with uplifting impact is really highlighting intersectionality and how all of those things come together. These are all cultural phenomenons that, you know, we've been affected by, but we might not necessarily know that it's something larger than our own experience. So how do we first set a really big stage and then put the spotlight on that person within reflection, within these listening pairs? You know, do you, have you experienced that? Have you seen this cultural phenomenon? You know, think about that. And it's been really, really fruitful. I I think also having strong facilitators that have done a lot of internal work to really think about that, that are able to tell their own stories as they facilitate that so that they can kind of model that vulnerability is really important as well. Yeah. You know, and I think that one of the hardest things is being able to talk about the evolution, Mm -hmm. right? That these words are evolving, these cultural phenomenons are evolving, that this is not something that is happening and it's static. It is something that is constantly, you know, one of the things that we say often is this is the definition we're using today. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and how do we get to a place where we can really get comfortable with understanding that as we evolve, we're going to learn more, we're going to grow more, that this isn't, it isn't just one static thing. And I think that's, um, it's just a really cool thing, but it's also a hard thing to manage, right? It's a hard thing to conceptually get your mind around, but it's also a hard thing to teach. Like I'm teaching you something, but it's just good for today. And, <laughs> and part of what you have to do is learn Definitely. how to, you know, is learn how to define these things for yourself and learn how to see, you know, and keep, and keep up with what's going on and what's, and what's going to happen. So particularly I guess- with educators, right. Whether it's, you know, within our public school district or when I was in academia, people are hungry for you know, I would deem as sort of like absolute truths or very strong theories that will stand the test of time. But you're exactly right, Deanna. Like all of these things are evolving, rightfully so. And part of our work at the YWCA is really helping people kind of build that muscle for those conversations, for that continuous learning, because we we don't promise people at the end of the day that you're going to be an expert in this field, whether you're taking a 24-hour course with, you know, 10 hours of pre-work and post-work, you know, that's that's pretty hefty lifting that people are choosing to do. But we, we really want people to have an experience where they can really interact with people that are also on that learning journey and willing to share of themselves. And there's something I think that we're missing within our current day because right now the pandemic, but even prior to that is, you know, sort of those loose networks of people that we would deem as sort of low, low cost relationships. They're not your mom, right? They're not your (laughs) spouse. They're not your child where having really difficult conversations where there might um, not be common ground. We don't even know how to broach those, but creating spaces of people that are willing to learn that are all on different parts of their journey that are kind of willing to practice that. It might make it easier to talk to a supervisor. It might make it easier to talk to a family member. So making sure that we can create, that's very important to us because it helps them in the long run, whether it's in the workplace or their personal lives. 
Yeah. And it's all about practice, right? Like you have to be able to practice and that's what we do with any skill. I mean, you have to have spaces, brave spaces where you can go in and say, this is what I'm learning. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to be with somebody else. You can give me some feedback and help me continue to grow. And so again, for those of you who are listening and you're trying to think about how you might set up some learning opportunities or how, what it might look like for you to structure some of these conversations, part of it is also understanding like how, how do we create something that allows for people and really give people the confidence that they can make, this is an okay place to make a mistake. That's right. right? That that's part of you growing is being able to struggle a little bit with this. If this was easy, we would have just done it, but it's not, it's not easy. And especially with diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think particularly for leaders, it can be so difficult feeling like I want to make sure I'm taking care of people well. And I want to make sure that those that I am leading understand that I've got their back, but what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I get a statement out and it's later than the timeline expected? You know, there have been so many things around that. And I think being able to understand oneself that you're learning and to foster not just within a course, but with on your own leadership teams, how am I getting good feedback? How am I getting accountability Mm -hmm. in this? Am I fostering those conversations within my leadership team in a way that we're all getting to strengthen that muscle, which will lead to cultural change? Absolutely. And, you know, again, you've mentioned accountability a couple of times during our conversation, but it is creating not just like front loading and saying, we're going to spend all this time and energy and trying to teach and train and bring people along, but then not having anything on the back end can cause a lot of damage, right? So making sure that you also have on the other side of it. Yeah. Like how am I holding myself accountable? How am I holding my team accountable? How am I holding this learning and development opportunity accountable? Like what, what are the mechanisms that we're going to put in place? Because we're talking about systems. We also have to have some systems. Mm-hmm. We can't do this without that. And I think that's something that people are very aware of in terms of the nitty gritty from what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Okay. In recruitment, I can see those numbers. In retention, I can see those numbers and really figuring out, you know, what is our company culture? What is our organization's culture? And it might have even good policies. I've seen that where there are very strong policies to your point, learning opportunities, but there might be still a culture of fear in an organization that I can't make a mistake. And, you know, that doesn't help us in our diversity, equity, and inclusion work. No, it it doesn't at all. So I think being able to think about, you know, all the nuances, right. Are it's, it's really, it's big work, but I think it's also the most important work because once you start moving in this pathway and you encourage people and you teach them how to do it, then they can help, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it becomes this, its own kind of iterative, iterative process because when people feel equipped with these skills, then it doesn't have to just be on one leader and it shouldn't just be on one leader. It should start to be like a shared resource. And I will say from, you know, serving on a, a school board of, you know, 75,000 students, we get a lot of information from stakeholders. And I think when you make decisions that are rooted in diversity, equity, and inclusion, Sometimes it feels like it can be kind of scary because, you know, what what does this have to do with reading, writing, and math Math. outcomes, right? You know, and what's interesting is when you're able to take the time to be on the ground and hear from people about how important it is for them to feel like there is that 
community and culture of belonging. Cause that's really what we're talking about right. for everyone that's a part of our systems. And, you know, it, we do have, we always have loud detractors and I think that can be really scary too, but you know, there, there are a lot of people that might not be as loud, but are so, so, so grateful that leaders are moving in this direction. Absolutely. Well, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you, Paula. Thank you so much for making the time with us here today. I know that you're going to continue to infiltrate all kinds of sectors with your with your incredible wisdom and passion for this topic. And so I'm just really excited about how much we have to continue to learn from you. Um, if there are people who are listening, and I know they are thinking, wow, I want to follow Paula. I want to see what she's up to. And I want to see how she's living this out in her day-to-day life. What's the best way for them to stay connected to you? Yes. Well, I am on LinkedIn. So if you looked for me at my first initial uh, M as in Mary, then Paula Phillips on LinkedIn, and then uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's M as in Mary, P as in Paula, D as in dog, B as in boy, P as in Paula. Um, those are my initials. So my family is Filipino. I've got a very long name. So <laughs> very cool. And we'll make sure that we put all that information in the show notes too, just in case you missed it. Um, but really delighted to have you here with us. Thank you so much, Paula. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Deanna. This was great. And all of you who are listening, we're so grateful that you took some time out of your busy days to spend uh, with us learning a little bit more about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I hope that you picked up some tidbits in this conversation about accountability, about how you create those safe environments, and about how this really impacts, no matter where you're coming from or what kind of, you know, how you identify in your in your sector, that there are opportunities here for you to grow. I think Paula did a fantastic job of showing us what some of the trends are, too, that we're we're seeing. And hopefully you're, you're feeling as hopeful as I am because she's right. There are so many things that are happening that really make it feel like we're on the right track. And in order for us to continue on that track, we need more people who are thinking about these topics. So please feel free to share this podcast and any of our other podcasts and to subscribe so that you can get more of this great content because we here at Uplifting Impact truly believe that the more people who are doing this diversity, equity, and inclusion work, the more people who are looking at this from a systemic level, the more people who are really thinking about culture and how to be accountable in their culture, the more we can make this world a better, more humane, more loving place. And that's what we are trying to do. So thank you. And we hope to see you, hear you on the next uh, Uplifting Impact session. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.